What would life be like if every time you took a walk, the universe was answering all of your questions? And then we travel to Venezuela to meet a young man who's about to end his hunting trip. He has some freshly killed animals in tow, and his car is just a few yards away. But that is when nature decided to hunt back. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having lots of fun. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and slide right into this. First off, coming into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone on your feet. I want you to give a good salute to this dude. He's walking on in. He's like, I didn't expect, I didn't expect this type of pomp and circumstance. Coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Give it up for Rhett Stubblefield. Woo, yeah, come on in, buddy. Come on in. Shut the door. You're letting all the heat out. Rhett, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Now, Rhett, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to Prescott, Arizona. And as... Rhett, thanks for flying us out here. Now, now, you know, you fly around in circles while we get to walk around and have this adventure. He's like, oh, man. While he's up in the big balloon in the sky, the rest of us are on the streets of Prescott, Arizona. You'll learn very quickly that he's actually in the best place to be for this story. And here we're going to meet a man. We don't know his real name. He goes by the online alias Diligent Day 9158 And Diligent Day recently posted this online. This post called, My Thoughts Are Connected to Sounds. So, I don't know this guy's real name. We're going to call him Dave for short. But anyways, if that's, a, if that's your real name, it's just a shot in the dark. We are sitting on this park bench in Prescott, Arizona. We're just kind of sitting there enjoying the summer sun, the warmth on our bodies. And we see a young man walking down the street. Dave is what we're going to call him. If that's his real name. It's just a guess. And Dave seems to be suffering from some sort of mental illness. Now I can't diagnose it over the, I can't diagnose it over the internet through reading a post and definitely can't do it through a podcast. He doesn't really seem to diagnose it himself. He does state that he's on medicine, currently on medicine, but his thoughts are still connected to sounds. He's walking down the sidewalk and he's realized there's a pattern. If he is having an internal monologue, if he's thinking something, if he's trying to figure out what he should do, what the sound that coincides with the end of that thought is the answer. If he's walking on the street and goes, you know what, I'm wondering if I should go to the movies and see the Batman again. Was it a really good movie? I'm still having a hard time making up my mind. And then he steps on some gravel? That's the universe telling him, no, the Batman was too long. Uh, okay, really? <laughs> he already bought the ticket. He's already walking on the street with the ticket. He's like, oh, he's walking through the movie theater. Oh, man. One of the things he's put together is if he hears rocks crunch under his feet when the internal monologue ends, then that means no. He is wrong in his thinking. But it's not just that. It's not just the rocks that are talking to him. It's everything. Horns honking, dogs barking, birds tweeting. These are all ways for the universe to tell him what he's doing is right or wrong. 
And that seems exhausting enough, right? That really seems like you'd have to be really tuned into things. But first off, couldn't really listen to music, right? Because if you had your headphones, <laughs> if you had your headphones on and you're having these thoughts, you may be missing out on these messages from the universe. It sounds super exhausting, right? But you could also say maybe there is a simplicity in that, Jason. Like, you give up and get God. What's the phrase? What do people say? Give up and go God or something like that? He's, he's, he's on your football team. Give up. And what is it, damn it now? What is that? Um, let go and get God. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> Apparently, it's a phrase. It's basically saying just let go of all the control you have and give it up to God. Let go and go God. I don't know. Anyways, the point is, is that the point is, is that there is a simplicity to that. I would say that maybe you do look for signs, people do look for signs, but if the signs are any noise, any constant noise, I think it would just be exhausting to constantly be giving this up to the universe and saying, it's yours, universe. But there is a simplicity to that. But what happens when he begins hallucinating noises? You're like, Jason, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the noises are real or not. It's crazy either way, Jason. Whether or not he's hallucinating the noises or the noises are real, <laughs> the noises are real aren't the point, isn't the point. It is insane to leave decisions up to noises. And sure, true. But I think when they're hallucinating noises, it is weirder. Because one, it's a hallucination, right? And two, you're not letting the universe guide you. You're just making stuff up in your head at this point. He says sometimes when he's sitting at home, he hears clicks in the wall. He'll hear clicks in the walls and the ceilings. And sometimes he hears noises coming from the neighbor's house. And that also determines what he does. But then we get into this because this is kind of the core of it. This is where the sounds guide him. Because again, there are some people who leave life up to the toss of a coin. They let the universe decide these things. Maybe it's not the toss of a coin. Maybe it's walking down a street and if you step on a rock right when you're thinking of should I date her or not, the rock hurts your foot. So then you go, I'm not going to date her. Now, <laughs> I don't know how many people do that. I don't know how many people do that, right? But I got this quote from Dave. This is interesting because he talks about the origin. I'm always interested in the origin of mental illness. Quote, there is a lot to the story that I can't cover in one post. But it began about a year and a half ago when I was living with a relative. I was reading spiritual books and got back into contact with something I had forgotten about in childhood. I don't remember the entire conversation, but it had something to do with free will, as in, how much free will do I think I have? Unquote. So right there, that's where this is coming into. It's the universe is telling him, you don't really have free will. Like, I am guiding you. All of these things that you think, or most people think are just random noises, is me, the universe, trying to speak to you. It's really taking away all of that self-sufficiency. Because if you didn't make major decisions based on the sounds around you, you would never have to be responsible for anything you ever did. But you, you would, you would. Let me finish this quote here. Quote, I don't remember the entire conversation, but it had something to do with free will, as in how much free will do I think I have? I was physically tickled internally and was laughing about the subject. Shortly thereafter, I found myself naked 
in jail for trying to push over a large wooden cross in the yard, which I had a premonition of doing a year earlier. Unquote. He may feel like the universe is telling him what to do, but there's laws and mores and things humans don't do to each other, i.e. pushing giant wooden crosses over while you're naked. You shouldn't do that in your neighborhood. If it's on if it's if it's on your own property and no one else can see, more power to you, but generally that is frowned upon. All of those things. Pushing over religious icons isn't looked highly on, and then doing it while nude is also that's a crime. That's that's literally a crime. But the universe told him to do it, right? Yeah, free will. Not only that, he saw it. He had a vision of this a year earlier. He did. How can we punish Dave? Well, they do. They put him in jail. And while he's in jail... He's hearing clicking in the walls. And sometimes when he's sitting in his cell, looking out his door... He sees the dead standing there. Ghosts and phantasms stationed right outside his cell, staring in at him. The clicking noises continue. It's interesting. This, you know, it's really interesting. A lot of this stuff, right? Mental illness, I find fascinating. I find it terrifying as well. In the world of the paranormal, the research that we do. These things aren't alien to us, right? Seeing ghosts in a jail, that's kind of why they have prison tours, right? So you can go see spooky ghosts, but not worry about them following you home. They're in ghost jail. The universe speaking to us, right? We've done episodes on that. There's tons of literature. There's tons of stuff, tons of stuff. There's sweaters and mugs based on let go and go God, Individually, all of this stuff works in the lore. Premonitions, person seeing into the future, the being that had made contact with him as a child, now returning and having this communication with him. There is nothing in this story that we wouldn't believe if it was in another <laughs> if it was in another story. You know what I mean? I could do an entire episode. I could do an entire segment about a dude who's contacted by some sort of creature or demon or spirit as a child and now it's come back and that alone is just a paranormal event and there is the possibility that some of this stuff is true but when you add on mental illness it really makes you question everything right it really makes you look at the details in a different light if I had presented the story and not said up front that this person has mental illness, is currently on meds to take care of this, sprung that on at the ending, right? You'd be a little befuddled. But this, I think that, I think in my opinion that this is not real. Like this post is real, but this guy's hallucinating all these things and he's hallucinating them because he knows they exist, if that, if that makes sense, right? He knows the lore like we all do. I think a lot of mental illness would probably take the form of gray aliens. It doesn't mean that gray aliens are only due to mental illness. But if someone had mental illness, if someone was super paranoid and they were afraid they were out to get them, they may see them as gray aliens. The gray aliens, 
that's funny. Now that I think about it, we don't actually see a lot of crossover of gray aliens actually abducting people with mental illnesses. There was a story, and I actually don't remember if I did this. I'll have to look through my notes, but there was a story that I had planned to do. I, I, I don't think I did it. Where the aliens came down and they talked to this old man and they were going to abduct him. And they go, no, you don't fit our criteria. And they left him. Like, they did some scans on him and they're like, nah, we're out. And then they left this dude in the field. I wonder if aliens don't abduct people with mental illnesses. But yeah, it's interesting. Everything in this story... I would, I, it's possible in the world of the paranormal, but I think he's hallucinating. And the what's funny is the one thing that in that mental illness versus actual experience is the fact that he's connecting sounds to all of his decisions. That's very, very, that seems like a mental illness. That seems like you've completely given up on the randomness of life. And that's something we see in, uh, paranoid schizophrenics and that's why they can rhyme really well they find patterns in everything and that's why a lot of times when you're reading through posts and there's nothing just but schizo numbers is what i call them i, I don't i'm sure other people call them that too but their entire posts of like numerology like you can do that with tons of stuff you can find patterns in anything we've done episodes on it before that to me is less paranormal and more insane that's that. That's a border to me. I know people use numerology, and I know that there are cults that use numerology, but most of the numerology, I'd say 99% of the stuff you see online, is the result of mental illness. I, I, I could be wrong on that, right? It, it could be higher. It could be 100%. But yeah, connecting every decision to sound is what sets this as a mental illness versus paranormal it'd be the same thing imagine this because i you guys might think i'm throwing this dude under the bus i'm throwing this dude under a very loud bus i think that if someone came to me with a story about them being abducted by aliens and the aliens would come to their bed late at night and they would wake up with a little bloody dot on their wrist or behind their ear where these implants were being put in and they have this x-ray of the implant if that was then wrapped up like that's a detail in a larger story about gang stalking about how when he goes to the local albertson supermarket always coughs twice in his left elbow every time i walk by and then i notice in the campbell's food aisle the campbell's food cans are turned away from me that's when i go this dude's nuts this, this guy, you know what I mean? Like, you can have pieces of legit lore, but if it's wrapped in a larger, I'm being gang-stalked by people who wear yellow shirts and drive black Subarus. I see at least one of those a week, and I think it's the same guy just driving around in my neighborhood. Yeah, that, that's where you kind of start to lose me. And Dave says he's on medication for this stuff, but he's still seeing and hearing these sounds, and he's still connecting them to his thoughts. And... You know what, really, it on one hand, it doesn't really matter, right? Why am I covering this? It doesn't really matter in the long run if this guy is having these delusions. Obviously, my fear would be he's going to start making bad decisions. He should, he should have went to see the Batman again. It is a good movie. He's going to start making bad decisions based... Well, I, why am I saying he's going to? He got naked and tried to push over a giant wooden cross. So he's already making those bad decisions. So, But again, it's very interesting because we do have stuff that makes sense, that we believe in. 
spirit communication, synchronicity, premonitions, all this stuff we, we talk about on this show. And this we have that crossover into hardcore me- mental illness. So, yeah, just an interesting story. And it, to me, it just sounds so exhausting. Like, I, I I feel bad for the guy. I know I've cracked a couple of jokes, but all in all, man, it just seems so exhausting to be constantly going through that. Rhett Stubblefield, go ahead and lower that Dead Rabbit dirigible. He's like, what? I didn't even hear that segment. What was going on? I was trying to find a parking spot. Rhett, we're going to give you the keys of the Carboner Copter. We're leaving behind Prescott, Arizona. We're headed all the way out to Caracas, Venezuela. <laughs> Specifically, we're headed to the wilderness outside of Caracas. It's April 10th, 1954, and the sun has set on this region of the world. There's a dude named Emilino Martinez. We're going to call him Emmy for short, because I'm pretty sure I butchered that name. Emmy is walking through the hills. He's headed back to his car after a very successful hunting trip. He's carrying a shotgun in one hand, and in the other hand, he's carrying some critters he's shot. What do they do? They normally, like, tie them together with a rope, throw the rope over their shoulder. Like some sort of Huck Finn character. I imagine he was just blasting rabbits or something like that. Nothing big. He had a couple of them. Anyways, he's walking back to the car with his freshly killed little animals. And he sees some movement in the bushes nearby. And he looks... And the noises stop. He's like, well, I guess I'm going to go see the Batman now. He looks over and the noises stop. And he continues on his way. It's the woods, right? It's the woods. Stuff is going to wrestle around. Leaves are going to move all spooky and stuff. And he's a hunter, right? He's probably used to this. But it did catch him off guard that there was movement in the bushes. He didn't really make out what it was. He starts walking again, and his car's nearby. He can see his car from where he's at. But he's not even thinking, I'm in danger right now. Again, he's a hunter. If every time a bush rustled and he got scared, he wouldn't be a very successful hunter. But while he's like, okay, I'm just going to, I don't know what that was, but it was obviously nothing I have to worry about. Walking towards his car, he hears from behind him a horrible guttural sound. Literally, blood-curdling sound. Well, not literally, because that means his blood would actually curdle, but the experienced hunter, right? And he hears something so primal, so terrifying, he knows this is not natural. Never heard anything like it. And the reason why we know he's reacting with such terror is that he immediately drops his catch. He immediately drops the dead animals he was carrying back to his car. And begins to run full speed to the car. He has no idea what made this sound, but he understands he doesn't want to be anywhere near it. And he's running. He's running to his car. And the creature... That's the only way he could describe it, right? The creature shouts out again. You're like, Jason, that sounded like you're trying to be a T-Rex for a little kid. Maybe I'll make it spookier. Maybe I'll have a bunch of sound effects. Sound of gravel getting crunched on.
he hears this monstrous sound and he is running for his car and then he makes a mistake. His car is so close to him. But he turns around. He As he's running, he doesn't come to a complete stop, but as he's running, he looks over his shoulder and that's just enough to slow him down. At this point, it's a matter of feet, whether or not he gets away. He turns around to look to see what in the world is behind him. And then he sees two creatures running full bore right towards him. It was dark, right? The sun had set. It's nighttime. But how he describes him, when he turns and he looks, he sees two short little dudes. Half man, half monkey. Covered in head to toe in dark fur. He turns and he looks. These things are gaining ground so quickly. He pulls his keys out of his pocket. He goes to open his door and he drops them. Chling, ling, ling, ling. Right in the mud. <laughs> I'm sure he's seen a horror movie at some point in his life. He kind of expected that. Before he can reach down to get the keys, something grabs him from behind. And... Even though these creatures are small, they are strong. This creature grabs him from behind and throws him off his balance, and they both tumble into a nearby ditch. And while he's falling, he drops his shotgun. The creature then mounts him, does like a little jujitsu chest mount, and begins strangling Emmy. Massively strong, furry hands, just squeezing tighter. And tighter. But Emmy's not going down without a fight. He's swinging on this dude, right? He knows that if he does not get this little monkey man off of him, he's going to die in this ditch. And he's swinging, and he's able to throw him off balance and get this dude off of his chest. The mount is done. He's getting back up. He sees a shotgun. He, I mean, he's not even thinking about that. He's focused on getting out of here. And as he's scrambling to his car, pants covered in dirt and mud, hands gripping at the soil, reaching for those keys, the second monkey man jumps on his back and begins biting his neck from behind. Arr! 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 <laughs> apparently, apparently that one's a pirate. I'll make it super spooky through the sound effects. Oh, oh, oh. As he's getting bit, hairy hands are scratching at him. And at this point, this creature's on his back. He doesn't have a good way to fight this dude off. One of the worst fighting positions you can be on. I saw this on UFC. One of the worst fighting positions you can be on is a short, hairy man holding on to your upper back. But Emmy looks down and grabs a rock and just begins bashing this dude's head in. Can't get the best leverage. Can't get his full strength in it. But when someone's smashing a rock in your head, you know, 50% will do. He begins just smashing this little monkey man in the head and blood is now spurting out of this creature's face. This is like stepping on a ketchup packet in a cafeteria. It's everywhere. The creature falls backwards. It, the creature falls backwards. Emmy grabs his car keys, gets in, and slams the door. And the second that car door is shut, both of those dudes, both of those hilarious guys, are now on his car, and they're furious. They're just smashing their hands against the windshield. Emmy puts that car in drive and is out of there. Little furry bodies tumbling off the hood of the car. 
he holds down that gas pedal and he is out of there. Leaving these two mysterious creatures illuminated by the taillights of his car. Okay, next day. Sun, <laughs> the sun is up. Emmy goes back. Not alone, though. Emmy got a couple of his friends together, which I would have loved to hear that conversation. Emmy's like, hey, guys, can you help me out, man? I lost my shotgun up in the woods. And they're like, what happened to your neck, man? What happened to your neck? He's all bleeding everywhere. He's all scratched. He's like, yeah, yeah. You guys aren't going to believe me. They're like, dude, we're going to believe anything you say. You're obviously been in a horrible fight. He's like, oh, guys, listen, I was beat up by two little monkey men last night. And they're like, right, we don't believe you. I'm sure it's, I, I don't understand like how, how I would react if my friend came to me with a bunch of monkey bruises and bites and asked me to go back to the jungle with him. But these friends, they're better friends than I am. I would be like, call the cops, man. They're better friends than I am. They go up the next day when the sun's out, they go up to this area and sure, you would be suspicious about this, right? You're thinking, oh, maybe you just got drunk. <laughs> maybe you got drunk and hopped in a zoo and was wrestling with some monkeys and they bit you. No, dude, that's not what happened. That happened a couple weeks ago, sure. But this time, it was not the monkey cage. They go up there and sure enough, there's Emmy's shotgun laying in the ditch. And the guys are like, well, anyone can put a shotgun there. I don't know why they're so dismissive. I'm sure they believe them. There's a shotgun laying in the ditch and then there is blood. Blood that's only been there for a couple hours, slowly dripping off of nearby leaves. Emmy and his friends started asking people in the area, just asking locals, like, hey, is there anything weird? You guys see anything weird out here? Is Emmy still bleeding? His eyes all bloody. He's like, uh, uh, can I just go to the hospital now? No, we have to investigate this. They begin asking like local farmers and people who lived and worked in the area. Is there anything weird going on out here? And everyone had a story. These farmers and these people who live in the area are relating different stories. One farmer lost a couple cattle. Someone else lost a pig or two. One farm, they've had several sheep disappear. While a few farms and homeowners would complain that their dogs had gone missing. And there was also talk about two young farmhands who traveled up into the hills, the same hills that Emmy was on on that fateful night. They never came back. Two young men traveled up there, were never seen again. There's an interesting relation to another story we covered a long time ago on episode 455, this Back on November 29, 1954, there were two men just passing through Caracas. They're actually closer to the city itself. They're not far off in the hills. And they stop and see, I think it was three small creatures walking around a UFO. They were also completely covered in hair, but they wore loincloths. And these dudes pulled over and proceeded to start a knife fight with these aliens. I'll say this about Venezuela. I'll say this about Venezuela. They do not mess around when it comes to aliens. I thought it was interesting. That story took place in November 1954. And that story is far more well known compared to this one. I think I might be the first one connecting these two stories. Even though they took place around the same area and definitely in the same year. It's so weird how UFOlogy stories... Stories of cryptid sightings don't get connected for whatever reason. I, I think it's because one was in one book 
published in 1972. This the story that I just gave you was from a book called Triangle of the Lost by Warren Smith. You have that, and then you have other journals talking about these other stories that are more popular. And, and I also want to cite the website AlienExpanse.com. That's where I found it from. It was They have this whole thing about Bigfoot alien, the Bigfoot alien connection and stuff like that. But yeah, it's weird. Both of these took place around the same area. Both of them had a lights in the sky thing. Both of them were related to UFOs. Are these creatures the same? They were both hairy. So were these a Bigfoot offshoot type of creature? Were these baby Bigfoot? It's probably that's probably what I'll title the episode because it sounds funny. But it, was it a baby Bigfoot? Was this an alien? Were these both aliens? And after after they got beat up in the hills, they decided to start wearing loincloths. Maybe that is maybe that's a, a show of shame on their planet. What you got beat up by a dude here? Here's clothing. Who knows? It's probably okay. To be fair, it's probably not that one. It's probably not that one. Is it connected? Likely, very likely. But either way, whether it's aliens coming down to beat you up or just two cryptids wandering through the woods to beat you up. And remember, they killed all these other animals and these farmhands, supposedly, right? I mean, the farmhands could have they could have stole all these animals themselves and started their own farm in another country. It's a happy ending for them. But these creatures definitely had murder on the mind. They've slain a lot of animals already and possibly two humans as well. And they were going to do the same thing to Emmy. And again, this is one of those stories that shows how terrifying this phenomenon is. There's a very high likelihood that Emmy would have just died up there, right? He would have gone missing. If anyone went looking for him, they might have found the shotgun. They definitely would have found the car. I don't think these little creatures are smart enough to like put the car in neutral and push it into a nearby lake. But someone would have noticed him missing, got worried, searched the area where they figure he was hunting, find his car, and that would be it. I was talking to my buddy Carson the other day about the Barbara Bolick story. I'll put that episode in the show notes. But to sum it up, it's a woman who went missing within a 45-second time gap in the forest. Someone was looking at her, turned, looked at this valley, turned back. She was gone. That's not a paranormal story. That is a live, that is an active missing persons case. Police have no idea what happened to her. None. They could, No blood, no, no shotgun, no car nearby, none of that stuff. I was telling this story to Carson, who's a seasoned hunter. He's an outdoorsman. And pretty much like right when I got done saying it, he goes, Cougar. Mountain lion. He said one of the two. I don't remember which one exactly he said. Because that's what he, he jumped out of the tree and got her and dragged her off. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it can happen that quickly. I go silently. Like when someone's like 45 seconds away. He's like, I, I mean, you probably would have heard something. But most likely... Because that's how dangerous nature is. Your life could end. Our ancestors were like, we're out of here. right? We got out of the wilderness as quickly as we could. We stayed close enough so we could have water and close enough so we could hunt them when we needed to. But you didn't have a bunch of, you didn't have a bunch of people living in the deep, deep woods of an area. Actually, don't fact check that. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I just know when I play Age of Empires, the first thing I do is cut down all the trees. You get out of the wilderness, man. That's that's where the monsters live. And when I'm saying monsters, I mean like real ones, like bears and uh, mountain lions and stuff like that. So if someone went missing in the woods, someone died. If Emmy went up hunting and he never came back home, they're going to assume he was killed by a natural beast. 
drug his body off, ate him, and his bones are somewhere lost to time. But that makes this story even more creepy because it would turn out his predator was unnatural. These things shouldn't even exist. He didn't even know something like this was possible until they were biting the back of his neck and strangling him in a muddy ditch. Think about the fear he was going through. It's bad enough to get killed by a mountain lion that jumps out of a tree and snaps your neck instantly. You kind of expect that might happen when you're hunting in the wilderness. But imagine if you were an avid hunter who had grown up in the woods. You were prepared for almost any contingency, and there you are on your back in a ditch, your car just a few feet away, as this monstrosity is throttling your neck. It's crushing your windpipe with its thumbs as its grip gets tighter. And tighter. And tighter. You would be so terrified. You're being killed by something you didn't even know could exist. And as your vision begins to go blurry. And your eyelids become heavy. As you feel the breath leaving your body for the last time. You see a look of rage on this creature's face as it squeezes the life out of you. And looking up at the night sky, you see a glowing white disc appearing overhead. You thought you were prepared to face anything the wilderness had to throw at you. But you weren't prepared to protect yourself from the darkest corners of our galaxy. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.